enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. Just representation of storm brewing. Amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this episode is brought to you by Prevenex. This is the supplement brand that I know and trust, and they have done so much for me and so much for so many other runners as well. I take a lot of their stuff every single day. The thing I like most is their Joint Health Plus. You can just tell the difference. It's proven scientifically. They have all the data on their website, Prevenex.com. Go check it out. Or you could just believe me because I use it every day. I truly believe in it, and you should go try it as well. So go to Prevenex.com. Go check it out and use code RUNNER. 15, that's runner 15 to save 15% off your first purchase. So I'm so excited to have Amanda Brooks back on the show. Amanda was on shoot now almost two years ago. We had a great conversation about her running history, her running background, and it was a kind of a part entrepreneurial episode as well because she has really done such a good job kind of creating her own business around her running life in a variety of ways. And if you go to runtothefinish.com, you can see that right now. But besides that, What this episode is all about is her brand new book. We dive into it. You should go buy it now. I have a copy. It's absolutely fantastic. So without further ado, let's talk to Amanda Brooks. Hello, Amanda, and welcome back to the show. Hi, so good to be back. It's so good to have you. Now, if people haven't heard your first episode here on The Rambling Runner, and you've been on certainly more podcasts than just this one, but you were in episode 79 and that was a really fun conversation talking about your running history and your kind of world traveling of, you know, <laughs> that you've been, that you had been doing up to that point and a variety of other things. And that was a really fun conversation. And with that said, I'm so excited to have you on the show today to talk about a brand new venture that you're putting out into the world. You have a book coming out, and maybe it's already out by the time people hear this. Run to the Finish, the Everyday Runner's Guide to Avoiding Injury, Ignoring the Clock, and Loving the Run. This is just so much information in here, Amanda. First of all, thank you for sending me an advanced copy. I loved reading it. Before we dive into it specifically, what prompted you to write this book in the first place? Well, first, I just want to say thanks for having me on. You've had all of your speedy people on, getting them through the Olympic trials. So uh, we're just going to dial it back to the rest of the pack today. (laughs) Um, And that's actually part of what really inspired this book was a lot of the comments I realized I was getting from people kind of over and over were that they sort of felt left out. And I think a lot of it happens to be the things we see on Instagram. We see the watch photos and the person who says they feel like they're running slow today and they hit a seven minute mile. Um, And there's a whole slew of runners that are like, oh God, that would be my best day ever. Um, And I just started to realize there's the people who are phenomenal and amazing and go out there and train to hit that podium. And then there's this whole slew of us that are like, I just really love to run. And I don't care so much 
if I have a race on the calendar all the time, but I want to feel like that's okay. And I want to stop getting injured because it seems like the injury cycle is kind of on repeat for a lot of people. And I think that goes back to sort of thinking like, because they aren't that elite athlete, that maybe they don't have to do certain things or it's not worth it for them. And so just kind of shifting that mindset around like, no, you are an athlete and like, it's cool to own it no matter what your pace is, really got me excited to, to put something together. And you, you know, you, you write a lot, that's for sure. And you've written in a lot of different capacities. <laughs> so let's just talk about your writing background before we dive into the book specifically. What are some of the pieces and what kinds of pieces have you been doing, you know, fairly recently that kind of led into, um, you know, not only a book proposal, but kind of left, kind of left you in a spot where you wanted to kind of, you know, take your writing to the next level and make something kind of in, in a long form capacity. Yeah, you know, I grew up wanting to be a writer. And so I think I always had that dream of writing a book, but I didn't know what it would be. And I don't even know that I thought now was the time until I kind of got approached about it and then really started thinking more about it and getting excited about creating that guide that would just take someone from like dynamic warm up all the way through the end of their race. And that's a lot of how I even think about the content on the website is social media spurs a lot of it now because I get so many questions that I can see the things that are coming up over and over. And if I don't have an article about it, I'm like, all right, there's a need for this. And I, I think I'm lucky that I have that journalism background and that love of writing. So I get excited to go research it and like really find an actual solution for them that has some backing. So not just, eh, I tried this thing, so it's probably going to work for you too, but more like, okay, here's some studies. Here's what they say. Here's who this works for, but maybe this won't work for these certain people. And that's part of what I think has probably helped me stay around for a while is that I try to kind of look at it from all sides, but also just really have that backing behind it. Um, I do write a lot, like you said. So for me, writing the book was the easiest part. It's everything that's come after that's been a lot harder. Um, but writing it for me was enjoyable, which I think is different from what I hear for a lot of people who don't enjoy the writing process. They were like, oh, it was torture to put together that many words. Um, but that part I enjoyed because I was just talking about the thing I love. Yeah, and it's and you approach it in a very unique way from other books that I've read. Not only running books, but just just various books in any capacity where you have you know there's eleven chapters at least in the advanced copy. There are you know basically eleven chapters in the book, but within each chapter, it, you I basically have this feeling like it's almost like a reference guide in a way, but it also you know follows a narrative because I feel like you can literally open the book to any page and just pick up right there. As opposed to like feeling the need to read it kind of back to, you know, front to back and go from there. Like you can literally just open up a page and be like, okay, well, all right, the film Maffetone method. All right, let's read about this or common running pains. Like, oh, that's important. Oh, base building, right? Another page, right? Or embrace morning runs. Like, I feel like you kind of, uh, you kind of kind of split the difference between following a certain narrative and progressing through the book, but also making it 
very topical and almost like a Seth Godin type book where you can literally pick up anywhere and find some juicy nuggets that can help you. Yeah, I think to me, it was important that it felt really actionable. Um, That's a big part of my personality. The worst thing to me is to go to a presentation and get all fired up and then give me no action steps. Um, So I definitely tried to like break it down into here's how you can actually put things in play. Um, And then, yeah, exactly. Like we're all at a different point in our running journey. And that cycle just keeps continuing based on what we're training for or we're injured or in between. So yeah, hopefully you can pick it up and like, oh man, I'm dealing with IT band right now. Like what's this say? Or, okay, I'm freaking out my races next week. So let's figure out this whole race nerves kind of thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of the writing that you've put together that I, that I've read and even forwarded to some of my athletes in the past has been kind of some of the work that you've done on running injuries and the like, which is kind of a unique thing. Cause it's not as if you have a medical background, but I feel like you do a good job and you kind of described this quickly earlier of basically taking this kind of like meta approach to certain topics, doing a ton of research and then providing it in a digestible format for people who like yourself are kind of coming at from coming at it from a perspective of you know I'm not a scientist here or I'm just a layperson but I need something that you know provides me some detail and some action steps like you said while not necessarily like running to a PT every time I have a little pain or have something that can be addressed in a different way Yeah, like I will run nerd out on books like Peak from Mark Bubbs or anything from Alex Hutchinson. But for a lot of people, those are kind of overwhelming because they are so in-depth and so science-y. And so I feel like people might pick them up and then they still just ask me the question. So that's what I hope I'm doing is, is taking and referencing and talking to those experts And then trying to put it, yes, in a way that just feels like, oh, I get that and I understand how to do that now. So when you were approaching this book and you were going through your outline and different topics that you wanted to address, which parts of the book were you most excited to write? I think, honestly, kind of where the book starts, which is the you are a runner focus, um, there's just it goes back to kind of what I said earlier. So many people that I talk to that have this, I'm not a real runner or they've been running for three or four years and they'll say, oh, I'm still a beginner. And I'm like, man, you are a runner (laughs) and like you've done 15 half marathons, but you're worried about the fact that you haven't run a full marathon. And so just kind of getting people out of that like headspace and back to like, it's cool. Like embrace it and enjoy your runs and don't feel so pressured all the time to look at your watch. And do you think that that, that mindset is usually um, an issue with speed or are there other factors that maybe block people from fully embracing? Like you said, like you run 15 half marathons and been running for three or four years. I can't imagine thinking of yourself anything other than a runner. But you, you, you know, I, I've seen this before as well, just like you have. And it's for me, it's I haven't experienced that firsthand. And I, I sometimes have a hard time relating to that feeling because it seems like it's it would just be the most natural thing to just adopt that moniker. 
Yeah, it's interesting. There's when I asked this question on social media the other day of how do you define a real runner? It was really fascinating to see people's responses because that's what I was trying to figure out is like, what is it? And there is certainly a worry about pace. So people, they can't put their finger on what the pace is, but it's not their pace. And that's all they know. They think they're too slow to be a real runner, but they couldn't tell you what pace would suddenly make them feel that way. Or they do have this idea that like until they've run a full marathon, it's like it doesn't count. And it's it's amazing to me. Then there's people who've run the full marathon and haven't Boston qualified yet, so they don't think they deserve the title. And that's probably part of the people who are just attracted to running. Like we're the people who are probably always setting another goal and running gives you that. I mean, running is always going to give you a chance for another goal. And so I think some of it is just the type of personalities. Um, But then just this picture we have in our mind of what a real runner is, we can't always define it. But for some reason, they've just decided it's the step beyond wherever they are. Do you think that that mindset is uniform Uh, between the genders? Or do you think that um, men and women can come at this question a little differently? Uh, That's a great question. Um, I do deal with a lot more female runners and I hear them say it more than I hear men say it. And almost in the perspective of when I talk to male runners, they just never even really consider it. They go for a run, they are a runner. Um, Whereas for some reason with the women, and maybe it's because of, you know, how some of us grew up in sports or different things, they definitely feel like they need to achieve something for it to be okay to say they're a runner. Yeah, that's exactly the experience I've had as well. Uh, you, you, you said it far better than I could, which is probably why you are writing a book and I am not, but at the same time, that's exactly, exactly, that's exactly how I've seen. And this is not necessarily only in running. I know oftentimes you'll see, um, you know, kind of like business based, like cartoons and, and memes and things like that, where like, if a dude is like 60% qualified for, you know, a promotion or for a job that they'll like apply without hesitation. And then like, you'll see like a female is like, you know, 95% qualified for a job and is worrying about the extra 5%. Again, these are not, I'm not the one that created these memes, but I feel like they, they're prevalent. <laughs> right. And given their prevalence, you wonder if there's maybe some truth um, in, in there. And I think it, this kind of feeling kind of relates to exactly what we're discussing here. I think so. And I think Probably also there's a lot of the women that I talk to, you know, running obviously isn't their full-time job. They have a job and a family and all these other responsibilities. So I think they may feel like, oh, I'm not dedicating enough time to it to call myself that. And yet, like I said, if you've run 13 marathons or, you know, whether you've run one 5k, like you have dedicated time to it and you deserve like to own that feeling of, wow, I'm showing up for myself. Yeah. And when you think about people who are able to maintain, you know, their, their running habit, however they define that, um, over 
you know, years and years and things like that. What are some of the things that you've noticed are the keys to, you know, finding that level of consistency, which ultimately, if someone says goal oriented when running is going to lead them to the success that they want. But obviously, you know, the kind of, the, you know, you can't put the, 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 the cart before the horse. You need to have the kind of the consistency first and finding that motivation slash inspiration and things of that like can be tricky for some people. So I just read a study today that was talking about, um, I think they looked at like 1800 runners or something. And those who found the most enjoyment in their run continued and were the most consistent. And it sounds so like, well, duh. But if you think about it, it's kind of going back to that, like, the people who are going out there and are just like, I love my run. And they're not so worried about the next thing, they keep showing up over and over. So a lot of the times with the runners I work with, we go back to like, why did you start running? I bet you didn't go out on that first run thinking like, I must run my next half marathon in under two hours because you had never run one. You had no goal. It was just, I want to see what I can do. And then the next day you thought, well, let's see if I can do a little more. And you enjoyed that feeling of success and showing up. And so I think it really is continuing to go back to that why. So why am I doing this? And, you know, maybe it's because it's the only time you get to yourself in your entire day. And that little piece of enjoyment is huge. And it just takes the pressure off. And I know you've seen this too. Sometimes letting go of that pressure means you enjoy your run more. So then you show up for more runs. So then you have a better race. Um, and I think that's always an interesting cycle for people when they finally see that. I completely agree with that. And I think there's also a subset of people where judgment can be kind of the, the major thief of joy in their running. Not necessarily the reflection on why they started. It's almost like they're hyper-focused on why they started. Like, okay, I started so that I can do X, Y, Z from a goal orientation standpoint. And every hard workout like needs to be some like creating like this linear path or, you know, like thinking of like a graph of some sort where this linear path to a goal or goal time or, or something along those lines and any deviation from that linear path not only, you know, makes them frustrated, but then, you know, sets off this kind of like this negative domino effect of, you know, all right, I'm not, things aren't working out or I need to do X, Y, Z, or I need to do workout more, or now I'm not happy. So I'm going to work out less. And you get, you kind of like get inside your own head. And I feel like for folks who maybe come from a different sports background who get into running later in life, that this can be a common theme as well in terms of, kind of being this motivation suck coming from something that's, you know, not at the heart of why you do it, but can be related to, you know, your, your, your goals behind your running and sometimes losing sight of something more holistic in what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's fascinating about running is a, we're all going to have bad runs. I mean, it is just a guaranteed part of training. And so getting to that point mentally where we look at a bad run differently is a game changer. So 
when we go out and have those days where we don't hit the paces or can't make the distance and suddenly it's like, oh, well, today my body is catching up to all the work that I've been doing or today I really had to test my mental will to keep going when I didn't feel like it. Suddenly that run is actually still a success, um, but it it takes a little while to like learn those tools and, and learn those habits to keep kind of reframing like, oh no, that was still a success even if it wasn't faster today than it was last week. Um, and one of the things I love pointing out, which you probably saw over and over as you talk to so many of the elite athletes is how many years they put in before they really get to that point where they're at their peak and can actually go out and have these races. I think we see them and assume like, like we think with so many things, it's an overnight success, but most of them have been running years and years and years. And so we're the same way. We're going to keep getting better, but it's going to be a slow, steady progress. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think one of the things that can stop people from embracing that slow, steady process, again, can be some of the goals or some of this idea, some of the ideas of, okay, well, what are some things that I can do in running that could be, you know, fun or, you know, kind of adventurous, which, you know, isn't really goal oriented is trying to embrace the fun and, you know, enjoyable aspect of running. But sometimes, unfortunately, can also set us up for the opposite. And one of those things is preparing or potentially preparing for a marathon, which as I've, you know, me and guests on this show have talked about this quite often, that there's this gravity around the marathon for a lot of people. And sometimes that can be a very positive thing. And for other people, it can be the opposite. And you have, you know, basically a four page section of this book talking about <laughs> basically, should I run a marathon? And the answer is like, no. And here's like, you know, basically 12 to 14, no reasons why, no, maybe you shouldn't be running a marathon. And I love this topic because I'm one of those people who have struggled with this. And ultimately for me, the answer is almost always no, but I always come back to this question. And as an experienced runner yourself, how have you dealt with this in your own life? This was a big one for me. Um, so now the last marathon I have run was actually 2015 and I am going to do Chicago this year. But after that 2015 race where I was actually pacing someone else, I just kind of knew like I need a break from marathons. Like for some reason, I'm not enjoying the buildup anymore. I'm getting so like the recovery just was too much for me. And it is hard when your job is to talk about running. And the first question everyone asks is, you know, well, what marathon are you doing this year? And so I just had to really decide like what was most important to me. And so I decided I was focusing on the half marathon for a while. And that was I just felt the joy come back into all of my training and even those races because I could travel, I could do the race, and then I could actually see the city that I was in. And so I just had to kind of like let go of whatever concern I had about someone else's perception that I needed to run 26 miles. I was enjoying my runs and my life so much more doing the half. And now that I've had that long break, 
I am actually really excited to have a buildup. And I feel like that's the space you need to be able to be in versus, okay, I have to do a marathon this year. Which one should it be? Because it's a lot of work to, to not enjoy. So some of these are hysterical because <laughs> I feel like they, they're basically part of like my own autobiography. And some of them are just hysterical just because they're funny. I, I love the one of don't run a marathon if you have to ask someone, how long is this marathon? <laughs> That's the classic one. I love that so much. Um, all right. One that really that I feel like connects with with me at various times is don't run a marathon to lose weight. Now, I've experienced yeah. this firsthand, but I want – you're the expert here. Tell me why that is not necessarily a good reason to run a marathon. Yeah, it's such a tricky one because it seems like I'm going to be putting in all these miles, so I am clearly going to lose weight. But 90% of the people I know gain weight running their first marathon. My hand is in the air. For both of my marathons, <laughs> yeah. I definitely gained weight. Yes. And then it tends to get better if people keep doing a lot. But there's a couple things happening. One is we, we're we doing all these miles and it's probably the first time we've asked our body in a long time to do something like that. And so we stop strength training because we just don't have time. So we're not maintaining our muscle. So, you know, muscle is going to help us kind of keep burning calories all the time, but keep that physique as well. And so we start kind of getting skinny fat. Um, it's super common. So we're, we're losing muscle. We are thinking that we need to follow like a crazy high carb diet. Cause that is what we hear about. We are doing all of this for the first time. So we're picking up all those gel packs and taking them on all these runs. So we're probably overfueling without realizing it. And then, I mean, my God, I just ran 17 miles. I'm going to eat whatever I want. And whatever I want is probably not something I would have eaten months prior when I wasn't running 17 miles. And so now I've probably eaten more than I just burned. Um, but it does not feel that way in your head. So your body is hungry because you've asked it to do something crazy and you feel like you deserve it. So it becomes just this kind of easy cycle to where you're eating just a little bit more and you're probably eating more sugars because your body is trying to figure out this crazy energy swing and you're taking them in on your runs. It's just like a very easy scenario to gain weight. Yeah, for me, it wasn't necessarily the meals per se. It was the constant craving of sugar. And then this, the, again, this is all personalized. But for me, I, I have, you know, an epic sweet tooth. And that was the part for me that just went through the roof. It was like burning the glucose and then never replacing it. And then just the vicious cycle of eating sugar. Of, you know, then, you know, once you do what you do more and then you need more and then you need more. So there are certain people who might not fall into that trap necessarily, but I can vividly remember training both marathons and I worked in an office setting at the time. And every single time that there was like food in the office left in like the little kitchenette and someone didn't eat it, <laughs> they would just drop it off yes. on my desk and it was like pastries and all this stuff. And I was, you know, voracious with how I would eat that stuff. And then ultimately, again, I didn't run a marathon to, to lose weight. So it didn't matter to me that I gained 
you know, a couple pounds in the marathon cycle. It really didn't matter at all. But I can see if someone used that as a goal, how it would be a little frustrating. And then this, then at that point, maybe you're, even though you're trying to be healthy by running a marathon, you might start adopting a less than healthy lifestyle to combat what's happening with your perceived healthy lifestyle. Yeah. So there's the other really crazy thing that happens is that you'll do your long run and then the next day you may weigh more and that just mentally messes with so many people. But your body is holding on to all this water weight because your muscles are inflamed and it's trying to help them repair. And so, yes, then they get on the scale and they've gained weight and they do freak out and start maybe not refueling properly or doing some other things. And so I think kind of it is a lot of like there's a learning process around marathons. And I feel like the more you either have access to someone who can kind of help you mentally with those things or just know like it's cool, like give that water another day. It's going to go away. You didn't actually gain weight specifically from doing your long run. Um, or maybe you're holding a little more water because you needed a number of gels to get through 20 miles and carbs make you hold more water. Um, but I think that's a crazy little piece of it that happens too and freaks people out. Yeah, because ultimately, I mean, there's there's certainly situations where it's understandable if someone wants to lose weight, right? I'm not going to sit here and vilify all weight loss or something like that, right? There might be people who, you know, are or you know, their doctors like, hey, you know, you're not you're not healthy right now. You might need to lose weight, right? So yeah. I'm not going to act as if like that doesn't happen or that that people don't fall into that mix. At the same time, if you're running a marathon. You know, if you're looking at certain metrics and that's important to you, weight really shouldn't be a metric that matters, right? You maybe you you how your workouts are going, how your heart rate is, heart rate variability in the morning, and and things of that nature. If you or if you have you know blood tests that you're doing quarterly and things like that, are much better ways to figure out if you know your health is progressing as opposed to looking at the scale. Yes, one of my favorite things about running, honestly, is that it made the scale mean so much less. I was just running has helped me to see what my body can do and be so proud of that. And I've heard that from more and more women, like it's helping them let go of the scale as any kind of measurement of their value. Um, which I think a lot of us, we grew up with that. Um, and my friend Danielle Pacenti actually said it brilliantly the other day. She said, the scale never made me feel anything but bad, but strength training makes me feel like a badass. And for me, it's just replaced strength training with running makes me feel like a badass. But I thought she said it so well. Like, unfortunately, we give that that number a lot of power for some reason. And I like that running gives us something else to focus on and gives us really a better way to look at, you know, what our body can do. So when you were writing this book, obviously you're writing it for other people and trying to address different points that you know may be affecting them or you know referencing questions that you've received over the past few years. But how did you reflect back on your own running journey as you sifted through all of this information and synthesized it in you know in in this current format? Oh, that's a good question. Um so I was writing this 
not long after, what, maybe a year after I had had knee surgery as well. Um, And so I was still in that kind of, okay, I'm going to act like a beginner phase. And I had allowed myself to kind of go through the whole journey of running again. And so I think that probably helped um, because it did let me just think about things from start to finish in terms of like what was really helpful rather than just looking at it from, oh, I've been running for 18 years. Um, I kind of got that refresher course on what it's like to to just be figuring it out. Um, And then I actually did spend some time just sitting down and thinking about some of the experiences I had had and things I had even kind of forgot about, like the first hill that I had to really run um, on the first route that I ran over and over and over and remembering like, I remember that hill so vividly, even now, like it was my nemesis. I just remember getting to it and it was always that point where I was going to have to walk until that first day where I ran all the way up that hill And those are the things that I just want people to keep kind of finding in their own life was like, what was the first day you kind of overcame that one obstacle that seemed like it was in your way with your run? Maybe it was a, oh, I can never break the five mile mark. And one day you just suddenly did. Um, And so remembering to kind of celebrate those little things, um, I think it was a lot of fun for me to go back and, and remember a lot of those. All right. So what did you end up having to cut from this book that was the most painful thing that was taken out? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? I actually don't think I ended up cutting anything. Um, I ended up reorganizing a couple of things, but I actually don't think I had to cut anything. Wow. Look at you, man. You're such a pro. How did that happen? <laughs> That's incredible. Um, Nailed it on the first take. <laughs> there you go. See, like you're, you're the Jay-Z of running books. First take. That's it. That's all you need. Who needs an editor? Um, that's, that's awesome. Um, so I, at this point, you know, you've, you've read, you've written the book, uh, just done with writing at this point, or are you going to keep going? I have an idea for a second book. So we'll see. Um, we'll see how this one this one goes. Like I said, the writing process, enjoyable. Uh, everything that comes after is is a whole new ball game. It's just, I've spent so many years in the online world. It's greatly different, obviously, to be working with publisher and physical products. Um, and so it's exciting and new, but a whole different ball game. I can imagine. All right. So I'm sure people who are listening to this, who already know you specifically, um, are interested in getting this book, what's the best way for them to go out and find it? So it is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. Um, I have a page on my website that'll help you find it too. So it's runtothefinish.com slash book. And you'll also find out about the book tour I'm doing. So I'm hosting events in 10 cities so that we can run together and talk about different topics. And I'm super excited about that. Do you already know which cities you'll be in? Yes. So um, Denver, LA, New York, uh, Washington, DC, Miami, Kansas City, Chicago, and Salt Lake. Look at you. What a, 
what a fun trip that's going to be. All right. I can imagine that being such a joy to go out there and just see people. And um, obviously through your you know consistent writing over the years and social media presence and so on and so forth, um, that can just be you know such, such a fun experience. And is it, are you going to have like a new take on the book tour feel just because obviously everyone is congregating around the same sport or is it going to be more of like, hey – going to a bookstore or running store and, and kind of meeting people where they are and then, you know, signing some books and having some chats. Yeah, I really want it to feel like an event. So for all of them, we're going to do like a 30 minute group run. So it's out and back. That way it's absolutely open to all paces because we'll start and finish together. Um, and then after that, do a talk. Um, and that will kind of vary by city. So like in New York, I'm actually partnering up with Finish Line PT so that we can show some prehab moves since I'm so big on that. Um, in other places, I'll be talking about race nerves because it's right before a specific race um, or things like that. And then I reached out to a bunch of the brands that I've worked with before to make sure they can provide some food and swag. So I really do want it to feel like a chance for people to, you know, maybe meet some other runners in their area. Cause I hear from so many people that like are nervous about group runs. And so I want this to feel like, yes, you can come. Hopefully you will connect with maybe some other people so that you can have more of that local support too. That sounds like such a good experience. Best of luck to you with the book launch and the book tour. This is so fun and exciting. Thank you so much for coming on, Amanda. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always such a blast talking to you. I loved every part of this conversation, not only the running part, but just how to like... Basically, how to put a book out into the world. That's just so interesting to me. I love hearing those kinds of stories. Also, shout out to our sponsors today, Prevenex and Nutzo, N-U-T-T-Z-O. I love all the Nutzo uh, snacks and you know, basically, I want to call them, I want to call it peanut butter because that's just like, it's so ingrained in me, but it's kind of a nut butter. It has like seven different nuts in it. It's absolutely fantastic. I should say nuts and seeds, and it's just so so good and healthy. And that's why I have it every morning on my toast. It's absolutely fantastic. That's if I'm not having a little egg scramble with spinach. It's kind of my other go-to when I'm eating healthy type breakfast food. So go check them out. Prevenex and Nutzo. Also over on the rambling, not the really runner. This is the rambling runner on the road to the Olympic trials feed. There we go. We're touching on all things post-Olympic trials marathon. Boy, what a race that was two days ago. Holy cow. So, so good on both the men's and women's sides. We're going to be diving into uh, all the recaps with the athletes we followed. In fact, in a second, I'm about to interview Sarah Bishop, which will air in a day or two. Also, Kellen Taylor will be interviewing tomorrow, and then we'll just kind of go through the lot and maybe even throw in a couple other um, interviews as well. We'll see. And then once those have finished up, we'll dive straight into the track trials. How exciting will that be? My goodness, that's just going to be so much fun. And I absolutely can't wait to get into that aspect of the show. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing this show. All of them so important and so much appreciated. Have a wonderful day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah.
surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.